You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, hello, Northland family and friends. Welcome to another episode of Extra Takes. I am your co-host, PJ, and I'm with my other co-host, Matt Shiles. Matt, hey, great to be with you. Yeah, we have uh, we have an exciting one today. Oh, we we do. Yes, we okay. do. Okay, well, won't you a- t- won't you tell our family and friends all about this? We have a special episode for you. So, first time we'll do this, we're going to do a replay, and this replay is going to be from the teaching of our most recent night of worship. So, so you taught us about uh, about three things, and we thought it was important um, to revisit it. Um, we have it recorded, and we're just gonna um, we're just gonna set this up a bit, and then um, let us listen to it. So this was February nineteenth, and we spent some time uh, unpacking Northland Church's new values. Now this comes as a reminder comes after we've just laid out our mission and our vision in our Northland two series. Um, so you you dug into our values. You also gave us five high level church goals for twenty twenty three. And uh, what was really cool at the beginning, but before you dug into that, you gave us, you talked about revival, and you gave us four things that we can do to prepare ourselves for revival. So just to set this up a bit, just one question for you. Um, What do you want to share about this night that might be helpful context for our listeners? Yeah, and yeah, that's a great question. So I would say first about kind of revival, now, when you're listening to this, this this is probably you know definitely a little over a week that has gone by. But the Asbury revival, or what has been taking place at Asbury University in Kentucky, yeah. ha- has been in a lot of people's social media feeds. Yeah. Even some news news coverage has happened around it. And so I felt like it would just be great to spend just a few moments just. Just talking about that because I had actually put together a presentation years ago uh, uh, about the really the question: Can a revival happen again? Yeah, and so so that's why I just really kind of felt led to start off with that. So enjoy that. But then values. This is really th- th- this is really important for us in in one particular way, and that is how we. Here's how I've actually taught about values is that every family has a set of values, whether spoken or unspoken. Mm. And so it's what governs their house. Mm. And so when it comes to our church, we actually have three sets of values that you will learn about. We'll have a church core value. We'll have behavioral values that are are what we want to see in individuals that comprise our teams. And then we have a set of organizational core values that govern our organization. And so these are values that actually govern the totality of who we are as a church, as a team, and as an overall organization. And so, so again, think about these are values that govern and, and then church goals. And just, rem- just remember this when, when, when we 
uh, unpack the five goals is if you don't have anything to shoot at or aim for, you hit nothing every time. So, so again, we're not. Th- these goals are, are are not something that are I- idols in our life. Like, oh, we got to hit them. We'll do anything and everything. No, this just gives us something to shoot for, and because it gives us something to shoot for and ask and pray God, pray to God for, then it also allows us to ask some questions. How do we prepare ourselves to even hit those things? Mm. So it gives us now in in, in leadership circles. It actually allows us to think through some lead measures. Yeah. Like, what are some of the things that we need to do to even attempt to hit these goals? And at the end of the day, here's what we want. And I didn't say this, you know, that night, and so that's why I'm saying it now. Is we we don't want to manufacture numbers. We just want to be faithful in posturing ourselves and let God be fruitful. In giving those numbers, so just just know that as as uh, you know as I unpack the the five big goals, you, you know that that's something to hold in in intention. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Great. So um, without further ado, ado, enjoy this teaching during Northland's most recent night of worship. Well, um, so I definitely want to share the values that we have crafted as a staff. But, but before I do, I, I want to re- read a passage and I want to make a, a few comments about revival since that is definitely a topic at least in our context or in our culture right now. But Psalm 85, here's, here's what the psalmist says, restore us again, God our Savior, and put away your displeasure towards us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? Then listen to verse six. Will you not revive us again? Why? So that your people may rejoice in you. Show us your unfailing love, Lord, and grant us your salvation. You know, one of the things that it definitely seems when it comes to revival, and this is also both Old Testament and New Testament, there had gotten a point within the people of God where there was a lot of lethargy, a lot of apathy that, that was more spiritual in its nature. And so the church or God's people in the Old Testament just kind of fell asleep, fell asleep at the will, uh, you know, the will meaning W-H-E-E-L. So I, I know again, that's that Southern accent for you. But but what revival is, is awakening God's people to, to the glory of God once again and why he has put them on planet earth. Now, uh, this was actually a few years ago. I, I did a whole presentation to a group of evangelists on revival. And again, this has nothing to do with the values, but I, I felt like I would just spend the first just few minutes just kind of teaching us about revival so that if we really do want revival to break out, that this, this would help, all right? So here's a definition that I crafted for revival. Revival is a powerful movement of the Holy Spirit that acutely awakens the gospel of Christ within his church and thereby inflames them to ferociously advance the mission of God to individuals, people, community, cities, regions, nations, and even the entire scope of the world. And we'll say that again. Revival is a powerful movement of the Holy Spirit 
that acutely awakens the gospel of Christ. Because again, that's where I'm like, and I really do feel like when you look at just the overall landscape of the church in the U.S., we have fallen asleep to the the gospel and what the gospel does. The gospel is the good news that, that the cosmic king of the universe, his name is Jesus, he has come to make all things new and he's made all things new possible through his death and his resurrection. And sometimes the church forgets that. And it just needs to be reminded. And so that's why revival is acutely uh, uh, awakening the gospel of Christ within his church and thereby inflames the church to ferociously advance the mission. So here's the thing that you'll never see in terms of the history of revivals, an awakening that is just meant to stop with the people of God. You'll never see that is that when when God awakens his people to what he has done and wants to do, it always goes outside the scope of the community. It's always been about participating in his mission. Now, when it comes to revival, there's actually six types of revival. There's personal revival. You can actually experience that in your, in your own life, in your individual life. There's institutional uh, revival, maybe a denomination, maybe a church, may, maybe a, a college a regional revival. Uh, so if, if some of you are familiar with the Azusa Street revival in the earliest 20th century, that was a regional revival, a specialized revival. So Pastor John talked about the Jesus movement in the 70s. That was a specialized uh, revival and it just, it just swept across the nation. And then, then the national revival is kind of this great awakening. And so there, there has been at least two great awakenings within the U.S. and then a global revival. So those are six types of revival. And so what we're actually seeing, particularly with Asbury, it started out as an institutional revival. But what we're seeing now is reports in, in other settings and on other college campuses and in other organizations, organizations it is spreading. So we, we don't, we, again, right now, it's in the early stages. Will it, will it fan, fan out? And it just will stop with kind of Asbury and a few little things. Or will, will it take root and will it sweep across the nation? We don't know. But here's what we can do, and this is prep. And so when we think about prepping for revival, I want you to think about four things and use prep as an acrostic. P stands for the posture that we have towards Christ. If you, if you want to see a revival, you've got to prep yourself. Church, we've got to prep ourselves, and it starts with our posture towards Christ. So, so what does your posture look like? Does your posture look like this? Does your posture look like this? Does your posture look like this? I mean, well, I, I don't know. But, but our posture, if we, want, if we want Jesus to do a work, we've got to posture ourselves, humbly surrender and saying, Jesus, we want you to do what you want to do. So we're going to posture ourselves. Then R stands for relationship. We've got to make sure that our relationships are right with one another. Because, because if we get crossways with, with one another, if we're holding grudges, if we're harboring unforgiveness, we are prohibiting the spirit from moving. So we got to posture ourselves. We got to make sure we're in right relationship with others. And then E is the enactment of gospel faith. Let me ask you this. Are you just being faithful in the small things? Are we being faithful in the small things? How we treat one another, how we're treating our family, how we're loving one another, how we're faithfully giving. Are we enacting gospel faith? Because we know that the gospel transforms. So are we acting out and acting out 
that transformation. And then the last P is praying for the spirit to move. So if we want to see revival here at Northland, then we just got to prep ourselves. We got to posture. We got to make sure we're in right relationship. We got to just be faithful in enacting gospel faith. And we got to pray for the spirit to move. And I truly believe as Pastor John and others that God is reviving Northland. He's reviving us. And so with that, I want to I wanna turn our attention to, to values. But before I, I give the values, so we'll, we'll get there to, to uh, I want to I revisit the, the mission and the vision. All right, so I'm going to put the mission up and, and here, here's the mission. So we exist, Northland Church exists to glorify God as we participate in God's mission of redeeming a people from all peoples by engaging neighbors and nations to be fully alive in King Jesus through the power of the Spirit. That is why we exist, all right? And then the vision, which is what we're going to do, it's our what that accomplishes the why. We're going to connect with God and others, and so Robin Drasick, he is over our connect arm, and so com- communication and IT, worship and production and engagement fit under connect, and then from connect, we cultivate disciples and leaders, and so Tom Horvath, he oversees our cultivate area, and so Life Squared Discipleship University, all right, so let me just explain that for, for you, and I, I think I've, I've explained a little bit, but here's the thing about vision is that you've you got to constantly share it and share it and share it for people to get it. But life stands for learning groups, interest groups, function groups, evangelist groups, and and squared actually means intense discipleship. So it's what we're going to call D groups. So two or three men together, two or three women together, encouraging, holding one another accountable. So that is is the squared aspect of life squared. And then eventually we'll get to discipleship university where we will have multiple classes, maybe even certificates involved, even partnerships with other academic institutions. If you want a certificate in Old Testament, if you want to take a New Testament class, that's what Discipleship University is. The next generation, birth through young adults, uh, that, that's under cultivate and then leadership development. Because when you look at both the Old Testament and New Testament, like in Exodus 18, you have Jethro, which is a really great name for a southerner. Don't know much about Hebrew, but, uh, but he actually wasn't a Hebrew. But Jethro was Moses' father-in-law and he saw all the things that, that Moses was doing. He's like, Moses, you're going to wear yourself out. You're going to frustrate yourself. And you're, you're going to also tick off people if you, don't, if you don't start empowering other leaders. And then you fast forward to the New Testament. Then you have the Apostle Paul. He's saying to equip people to do the work of the ministry. So we need to not only be about cultivating disciples, but we also need to be about cultivating and empowering leaders. And so that is why leadership development is under cultivate. So from cultivate, we, anybody can remember the third C? Care. Yes, we're going to care for people and resources. And so right now, Pastor Derwin, he is overseeing that area. So you got operation, which is finance, facilities, and security. Then you got pastoral care. And then we will be launching what we call the diaconate uh, later on and probably in the next couple of months. And so we're working on a structure uh, there. And uh, we already have some of the elements to the diaconate. We have ministers on duty. And we also have the Stephen ministry 
ministry. They would be under the diaconate, but we also will launch all of these various deacon teams to be able to care well for the body. And so you heard from Lauren. Lauren will be leading that care team, the diaconate. And so we're really excited about that. And then our access ministries, uh, that is our ministry towards those with special needs or varying exceptionalities. And Northland is a leading church in the U.S. as it relates to engagement with the special need and varying exceptionality community. And we are just so grateful for Randy and all the things that he is doing. And then even for Heather Schubert, who was also in that position uh, a year ago and then um, even beyond. And so we, we just love Access Ministry. And then the last C is Commission. And so Commission is our missions organization, our missions arm. Now, I want you to understand so, so mission, the mission of God is what we participate in. Missions is the actual specific activity to accomplish the mission. So, so that's what the commission area is. It's how we actually are doing missions, act, activating God's mission here. And so we have local outreach, uh, national, international partnerships and short-term mission trips, and then the saturate and multiply strategy. And I'll say a little bit about that. So that is our vision. Now, what we have done is we created values to help out uh, directing us as a church and as a staff and as a group of leaders. And so we have three different values. And I know some of you organizational people and business, you're going to go, man, that is a lot of values. I hope that they make sense here in a second. So so the first set of really, it's actually just one value, but it's our, our church core value. And our church core value is gospel centrality. We want everything to revolve around Jesus. Because we truly believe that if everything revolves around Jesus, you don't have to worry about whether or not we're biblical. You don't have to worry about whether or not we are theological. You don't have to worry about whether or not we are communal. You don't have to worry about whether we are loving. Why? Because when Jesus is the center, those things happen naturally. So that's why you only have to remember one core, Pastor Derwin, only one core value when it comes to our church core value, and that is gospel centrality. I, I, I love giving him a hard time just because the Lord pays me to give him a hard time. So, so then we have a set of behavioral values. And these behavioral values are, are the kind of values that we want to drive individuals that make up our staff that make up actually even our volunteer towel holding staff. And so you can move to the next slide. That, that just, well, hang on, you can stay right there. That just gives you an example is that when you're, God, when you're centered around Jesus, you'll be all of those things. You'll be contextual, communal, intentional, transformational, missional, like everything. You, you'll, you'll be that. You don't have to worry about remembering all of us. Just remember that one core value. But then the next set is behavioral values. And so we just kind of went, start, we started going through the alphabet, but you might be asking this question, where did these values come from? That's a great question. Guess where they came from? The Bible. <laughs> but, but what we started to ask, and again, we went through a whole process. We started to study God's kingdom. And we started to study God's kingdom even from the beginning in Genesis 1 and 2. And so these behavioral values are, are, are what we saw in Scripture that, that would tag the kind of staff and the kind of leaders that, that we wanted to be. And so the first two, we, we want to be authentic. Like what you see is what you get. Like 
I, I, I mean, like what you see up here, I mean, it, it's what you get. It, it, it really is who I am. And so we just want, we want everybody, just own who God has made you. Be authentic. Don't pretend. Don't try to be someone you're not. Hey, church, church like Northland, we just want to be an authentic church. We don't want to try to copy someone down the street. We, we want to be who God has made us and wired us. And then we want to be balanced. That means we want to be healthy. And so when you hear Lauren talk, uh, talk about the, the balance and soul care and people investing in the staff and making sure the staff is healthy, it's like we want a balanced staff. We want people to be balanced. And then the, the next two would be collaborative and driven. So that means we want to work together. Like I, I, you know, I am not a dictator, nor do I want to be a dictator. I want to, I want to be collaborative. And so I want to involve people. And one of the things that I've told uh, the, the staff is that collaboration doesn't mean that you, you tell us what to do and we'll, we'll, we'll do everything that you tell us. No, it means that you have a voice and you can make suggestions and you can be part of the process. But at the end of the day, a decision will have to be made and it might not be what you suggested. Don't get your feelings hurt so same thing about the you know the, the congregation like if you have a suggestion man that that's great we want to hear it and, and we we want to be receptive but if we don't go with it don't don't take it personally or you might have to check your heart all right so uh but I'm, I'm that's going to get old after this weekend I know but but driven so one of the things that you will see about God's people is that they're constantly driven and they're driven because of what God has put in their heart. So you can think about being driven as being passionate. And so we want people that are, that are driven that you ain't gotta, you, you ain't, you, I mean, you don't have to like, man, we need you to step up. No, people are just constantly stepping up because of what God has done in them and the passion that they have. Like what Steve was saying, like, you know, it, it kind of dawned on staff like, yeah, you, you know, you probably would be more passionate at the place you worshiped. You know, and so that's why we said that, that we want you to worship where you work. Because how could we be a mission organization if you worked here, but you didn't believe in the mission enough to stay around when we came together? That's what we said. So, I mean, <laughs> so, uh, then, then uh, the, the, uh, the next two is elevating and fun. So here's what we mean by elevating. We want to honor one another. Like we want to elevate, like anytime you, you, see, you see Jesus doing something in the gospel, he's always elevating people. And so we just want to give honor to, to who it's due and guess who honor is due to? Everyone. We honor everyone because they have been created in God's image and so therefore we want to elevate you and then fun. Like I, I, I know that it, we, we have to read this kind of into the text, but but at the end of the day, I could envision Jesus laughing. I could actually envision him do that because I believe that laughter and this idea of fun and being humorous, I think that that is a, that, that is a part of the emotions that God has given us. And, and so we want to be, and that's why a lot of times I don't take myself too seriously. I want us to have fun. And, and that's one of the things that I, I really try to do, particularly when it comes to like preaching a, a tough message like I did this morning, is to inject some humor in it because we, we need to have fun because God's about to knock us over the head with the two by four. It's okay. Let's have fun doing it. Let's have fun getting knocked over the head with the two by four. That'd be great. And so, and then the last set of, of values is generous and humble, is that when you, when you, see, when you see individuals comprised of God's people, you'll see that they are generous and they are humble. And humble just means thinking of yourself less and others more. And so we're constantly wanting, we want, we want the staff and others to, let's, let's start thinking about other people. 
not ourselves. So those are behavioral values, but then we actually move to organizational values. So, and so when these are values that drive us organizationally, so this is how we make decisions. And so this, this uh, uh, kind of this set of values, like you, you can look at it more in, ter- in terms of a leadership structure uh, of, of how the organization runs. And so the, the first two is that we clarify communication. You heard that up here. Uh, I mean, even in marriage, one of, the, one of the key factors of a divorce is miscommunication. Well, one of the key factors of church frustration is miscommunication, lack of communication, or no communication. And, and so we want to clarify communication. But here's what we know. When it comes to, when it comes to even, even if we were a small church, you don't have to know everything. And you just have to be okay with that. But what we want to do is we want to clarify communication. We want to really be good at communication. But then the second one is we crave creativity. You cannot go outside and, and see what God has done and not say that is a creative God. And, and especially when I'm walking on the Seminole Trail and I see some birds, that is, there's some, some weird looking birds here in Florida. But that's God's creativity. And so, so if we serve a creative God, we should be creative. We should be innovative. And so that's one of the things that we value here. And, and one of the things that I like to even say about this is that, you know, there are times people, people probably would ask or they think to themselves, why do you have all of this? Why, why do you have all of these lights? Why, why do you have all of these? And it's so funny because I heard this, you know, come and somebody showed me the article. But, but some of these lights are called Diablo lights. And somebody's like, I can't believe we invited the devil in here. That We didn't invite the devil in here. That's just what they call them. So you don't, don't, sometimes don't over-spiritualize things. But you, you, might, you, might, <laughs> you, you might be wondering why, why we got lights, why do we have haze? I, please think about this. If we truly believe that, that God has given each one of us a, a vocational call, a, a career, that he has given us abilities and skill sets uh, to be able to cultivate the raw materials to glorify him, this is one of the ways that God has skilled people to create something that really is. It's it's an environment. It's a way to set moods and all of that. And what we actually believe is that God has given people specific skill sets and abilities to do this. And this is a way that they get to use their talents to glorify God. And then by creating environments, we do, we're able to create environments to set moods of how we want to see God move in our midst. And, And so that that's why we crave creativity. Now, again, we're not trying to manipulate at all, but one of the things that you would see throughout the Psalms, there's a host of, there's a myriad of emotions, are, are there not, in the Psalms? And so that's all, we, you know, that again, that, that's one of the things that we try to create through creativity. And so those are, those are the first two. And then we have the next two is we desire diversity. So one of the things that I love about Northland is that we are growing in our diversity. Uh, we have a Spanish ministry. We have a Portuguese ministry. Uh, we, we continue to want to look like the community in which we are planted, like in our, on our elder board. We, we, uh, we have two uh, African uh, Americans and then we're continuing to say how can we diversify so that we might look just a little bit like heaven here like one of the things that we have done and you'll you'll see this on on some goals that we have is that we we also know that we are we are diverse we, we are 
generationally diverse too. And so one of the things that we have created is actually a, a, a board of, of the, the, the number of songs that we would sing that would be contemporary, that would be hymns, that would be gospel. We even got some, uh, uh, we got some desire to do a rap song or two. I mean, why? Because we desire diversity. Why? Because God desires diversity. And so we're gonna, we're gonna celebrate that of what God's doing. And then we're going to embrace, we're gonna embrace excellence. So, so we're not gonna embrace perfection because perfection is different than excellence. Basically what we're gonna do is we're going to embrace giving God our best. And then the next two is we praise progress. So this actually came from Genesis 1 where every single day God praises progress regardless of how small or how big. And so every single week we want to praise progress and God is, again, he's moving. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of progress being made here, both small and big, and we actually praise it. The other one is we relish rest. We really do. We, we work hard, we, we play hard, but I, I pray that we relish rest. If God rested, we should rest. And so we speak that into our, our staff and we would definitely want to speak that into you that you relish rest. And then the last two is that we seek shalom and we study scalability. At the end of the day, what we're seeking is the total flourishing of God's church because we truly believe that what God builds flourishes. And so that is our measurement. Is, is shalom happening here? Is, is total peace, is total flourishing Happen, happening here. And then we study scalability. And now why would you probably think, well, why would you, why would you even have this study scalability? Because from, from Genesis all the way through Revelation, God is about multiplying. Don't you think about that? He's about multiplying. So if we're making decisions that, that would prohibit us from multiplying, we, we actually need to go back to the drawing map and go, can this scale? Why? Because God loves scaling things. He loves multiplication. And what you'll see next week in Acts chapter 6 is the first issue that the early church had was an organizational scaling issue. And so what we want to do is we just want to go ahead and get, get in front of things and we will want to study scalability. So as I close, I want to give you kind of five overall goals that, that we actually have as a church for this year. And so here, here's just five overall goals. And then one of the things, you know, I won't be able to get to it because uh, I'm running out of time. But we actually have three main goals for each of the arms of our church. So we have three main goals for connect, three main goals for cultivate, three main goals for care, and three main goals for commission. But these five are overall church goals. And I just wanted to share them with you. Uh, the, the first one is attendance. So here's what we're, we're praying for and we're expecting God to do is to get back to pre-COVID levels by the end of the year. And so that's over 2,000, roughly, that's about 2,200 people on average. Right now, you might be asking, well, how many are, are we averaging now at the beginning of this year? Well, right now, we're right at 1,700 on average. And that has increased by almost 400 since the fall. So uh, that's where we're like, all right, Lord. And here, here's the thing. We're not driven by numbers, but here's, the, here's something that we always talk about in staff. If you don't have anything to shoot for, you hit nothing every time. 
Okay, so attendance, pre-COVID levels, and then Easter and Christmas, we would love to see 6,000 plus. So for, for Christmas, we saw uh, 5,100, so we think 6,000 is a reasonable number for both Easter and Christmas. Number two, our second is finances. By the end of 2023, to begin hitting our projected $7.5 million number. So that, that was our budget this fiscal year. Uh, right now, we are projected to come in right at 7 million, which is still a very healthy number given our average. But as we see more and more people uh, come to Northland, as we see more and more people give for the first time, uh, we would love to see this number hit by the end of the year. The, the third goal that we have is improvements to the building or buildings. So we're going to complete the rink and lobby and so uh, you, many of you remember the Raise the Roof project that we had. Uh, that will be completed by Easter and then the lobby. Uh, obviously, you have, you, you've seen uh, all, of the, all of the paintings taken down. You've seen some paint on the walls. I don't know if those are the real paint colors or not. Obviously, a picture was hiding them. But over the course of the next couple of months, the entire lobby will be new. We'll have new paint colors, we'll have new flooring, and so that is an improvement. And then also what, what we actually want to do as well is we want to hire a company sometime between now and the end of the year to help us draw out a master plan to make sure that we're using the property efficiently, effectively, and then also making sure that we, over the next one to three years, know all of the improvements that need to happen and they will have a master plan for us. Because we have almost 240,000 square feet between this building and the next. And uh, this building is 15 years old and the, the, the building beside us, I, I think it was here when Methuselah was here. So. Uh, I mean, we, we got, I, I just, Der, Derwin, he told everybody this uh, for, for a meeting that we had earlier. He said, the curtains are disintegrating. I'm like, really? We got disintegrating curtains? That's pretty neat. So, uh, uh, number four, the, the fourth overall goal, baptisms. We, we're, we're, asking, we're asking the Lord, we're, we're believing that over 100 people will come to faith in Jesus and follow him through believer's baptism. And we're, we're already over 30, uh, over 30 that has done that. So, I mean, we're, we're, I mean we, we have started off very, very good. So you might say, well, what was it last year? Well, it was 77 in 2022. And so we're just praying that over 100 people, we see over 100 people baptized. And then the last one is just, we wanna measure everything because data is our friend because it will actually show us how effectively we are doing everything that we, we, we believe that the Lord has called us to. And so I wanted to share that with you as we kind of, this was the wrap up, uh, wrap up of Northland 2.0, but you see a little bit more of the behind the scenes, but you know, kind of behind the curtain of our values of what drive the, these values that drive us. And then some overarching goals that we have for Northland. And so right now I'm going to, I'm going to pray and then I'll be out in the lobby. If you have any, any specific questions, listen, I want to, I want to, I want to be there and I want to answer, answer them the, the best we can. Someone did say, uh, you, you know, well, are, are there going to be any renderings of all of the paint schemes and, and the carpet? Uh, no, you'll just see them when, when they happen. And so, um, and, and the, re, the reason why I said is because, uh, because I, I'm this, I've been to church for a long time, been around, been, been around church people a long time. Everybody, everybody has their own color preferences. 
And so I, I just didn't want you to have to check your heart. That's it. That's all. I just didn't want you to have to check your heart. So, uh, so <laughs> but here's what we do know. Like our theme this year is new. And that was, that was the theme behind Northland 2.0. For Easter, we will launch a series called All Things New. And God is doing a new thing in this new season at Northland. And we are excited I believe, and I think every single one of us, I mean, I'm speaking to the choir here, I know that. And I believe that you would, you would agree that week in and week out, we are sensing the presence of God meet with us. And I couldn't be more happier to have the students with us because they, they, are, the, they are the present future. Like they really are, they're, they're the present future. And so thank y'all so much for leading. Oh my, my goodness, yeah, thank you for leading. Uh, will you stand with me as we, as we sing I've Witnessed one more time? Like, can, can we just do the entire, like it, it reprises the entire thing, right? Not quite, but, but quite. Not quite, but quite. I want the whole thing. Can y'all do the whole thing? Let's do, y'all want the whole thing? Yeah, let, we, we want the whole thing. Yeah, we don't want quite. We want the whole thing. And so, hey, let us pray. Let us pray for the Spirit to continue to keep moving at Northland so that we may see many, many men, women, boys and girls, teenagers may just fall in love with King Jesus and be radically used by Him. Jesus is all about you. It's not about us. And I think that is the reason why you are about to open up the floodgate here at Northland because you are reviving our hearts collectively, posturing our hearts to say, it's all about you, Jesus, that we're making sure that we are in right standing with even one another, that, that we are enacting the, the gospel by, by faith in our own life, that we are living out the transformation that, that has happened internally. And that we're just praying, Spirit, move, use us for your glory and the world's good. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.